You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right. Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody. We got a wedding we got to go to after this. Rose and Dom are getting married today. So there's probably there's probably a lot of people that are over already over there with the part of the wedding party and all that. So anyway, well, I'm going to preach a message today that I hope really hits home for you. Um, you know, uh, kind of the the basis of it is why me and why you and. Uh, you know, that question that you're like, yeah, that's a, why me, why you? It's like that could apply to anything. But, you know, the question comes around, why do I exist? And um, that question has been one that philosophers have struggled with uh, throughout the ages, right alongside with, what am I here for? And, you know, there's a, there is a difference between the reason for which something exists and the pur- purpose for which it exists, reason and purpose. And, you know, I, I brought it a little example. You know, it's like this, take this light bulb, for example. The reason exists, the reason it exists is because there was an inventor who had the idea, he had the ability, okay, to bring a creation into from the unseen realm into the imagination and into the scene of the realm of physical reality. But the purpose of the light bulb is to shed what? Shed light, right. So you can have a light bulb in its carton, okay, stuck on a shelf uh, in the closet with the door closed, But its reason for existence is altogether out of its purpose, so it is with most of humanity. It really is, because there's a lot of of broken people, and when we don't understand what our purpose is, uh, we tend to just kind of spin our wheels, and we're not really sure what direction we're to go. We go over here, we grab at this, we grab at that, whatever, instead of understanding that we need to go to the source. One of the scriptures that I absolutely love that answers both of these questions, origin, which means reason, and intent, which means purpose, are both found in Genesis one twenty six. In the very first chapter, God wanted to make sure that we understood uh, reason and purpose behind mankind. So let's read this together. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And Looking at that verse, you know, God created us all for a purpose. And, and let me say this. Your purpose is, is different from your calling or what God has placed on your life to be in the workforce or what it is, whatever gift he's put on your life. It's totally different. Even though it does apply and they hold hands, it's different. But his reason for creating us, his main reason for creating us was to be loved by him and to have a relationship with us personally. That's what God wanted. To be a proud, he wanted to be a proud parent and watch his kids succeed. And that same DNA 
that is in him has been passed down to you and I. And, you know, as parents, uh, when we are uh, rightly aligned, when we're rightly aligned with the Father in heaven, we have the same intent and purpose for our children. Would, it, would you guys agree with that? Say amen. You know, as parents, we created our children out of a place of love for one another and to be loved by us. I mean, when Terry and I got married, we were in love. We had kids, but we had kids too because we, had, we were intentional because we wanted to raise kids that we could love and call our own. And that's a beautiful thing. And, you know, when the triune of God created man, which is the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they all shared a part of that in creation when they made mankind. It was from a place of love. I love what Leif Hetland says. Leif says that when man was first created, it was God's touch that he felt first. It was God's breath in his nostrils that he felt. It was God's presence, his face that he saw. That's relational. There was no doubt that God was the Father, that the Holy Spirit and the Son were part of making that creation with an, with an original intent of being loved through all time. And I love that. And, you know, you might say, hey, my parents, you know, somebody might be in here say, hey, my parents did not create me out of a place of love but out of a mistake and, you know, sometimes that's true, you know, but I got good news for you. God doesn't make any mistakes, period. He doesn't make any mistakes. And, you know, some of you guys have known my story. I haven't gone into a lot of detail with some of it. Some, some of you guys are new here, but uh, my mom and dad, they, they didn't get married. They literally uh, did not have me out of love. They had me out of a place of lust. Uh, and then my, my mom, she was in a really bad place in, in depression and anxiety and all these other things. And so at one point, she literally tried to uh, abort me with a coat hanger. And I'm telling you, for, you know, I've gotten healing over a lot of this stuff over the years. It took me a, a long time. But let me tell you something. Uh, when I came into the reality and the understanding that God loved me and that he was a father. It totally changed my life. Totally changed my life. And I, I love uh, the uh, Psalms 2710, and this is for everybody, because there, I think at some point all of us have had a disconnection possibly with our natural parents. Could, could somebody agree with that? I mean, I'm sure there's been differences, there's been disconnects, there's been things that have happened. And, you, you know, anytime there's a disconnect, there's a feeling of abandonment. There is a feeling of rejection. And uh, Psalms 2710 says, even if my father and my mother abandon me, the Lord will never abandon me and will take care of me. And, you know, it took me years to experience that. I, but it was when I got saved and I got filled with the Spirit. At that moment, I felt the love of a, of a good father. And I had an understanding of what it was to feel that love. I had never felt that before. And so I want to encourage you, if you're in that place, guess what? God will redeem everything that the enemy has tried to steal in your life. Because that's who God is. He's a redeeming God. And so um, in, out of this verse in Genesis 126, there's three concepts I want to talk about that we can define and make all this really practical. 
And the first concept is, uh, what is the image of God, you know, uh, that we see all throughout Scripture? And the image that we see all throughout Scripture, and Dub, Dub Alexander talks about this a lot, the, the image that we see is a king seated, uh, seated on a throne ruling and reigning over a territory. It, we see it all throughout Scripture. And, you know, God never wanted his people, his creation, to ever have to sit under the rule of a natural king. Did you know that? He didn't want that. But we know that his people, the children of Israel, they were an obstinate group of people. <laughs> they were very difficult. And because they were difficult, they were constantly getting into trouble, constantly sinning, constantly falling away from their first love. And finally, at one point, they said, hey, we're not okay just having you as our king, as our God. We want a real king. And so God said, okay, if that's what you want, that's what I'm going to give you. And so the first king of Israel was Saul, and we all know kind of what happened through that. That was a bad choice. And it was a bad choice, not because Saul was a bad guy, uh, but he made a lot of really poor decisions. And as he got older and he continued on in his kingship, his heart fell away from God, which caused him to do things that were not great for the nation of Israel. And so God began to look for a man after his own heart. And we know the story where uh, he tells the prophet Samuel to go into this certain family and to look for the next king to anoint him. And they find him not among the brothers, but out in a field taking care of sheep. And it was David. And it was many years later that David ended up coming to the throne. But the thing that God loved about David was, you could even say he was created in God's image. That's my take on it. Like, he saw the heart that David had. He saw the heart that David had, and he's like, I can work with that. He knew he could. And even though David made a lot of mistakes, I mean, if you guys want to get a book, have the book of who's done it wrong and the book of who made all the mistakes, David is up in the top category because he made a lot of mistakes. But the one mistake he didn't make was he stayed rightly connected to the heart of the Father. That is a great parallel and a great example for us. You could have missed it. You could have done a lot of things in your life that are not pleasing to the Lord, that have you've gone off track and all that. But as long as you keep your heart in line with, with him, God will get you through it. And he will absolutely value what it is that he created in you. And he's not going to discard you. Uh, you know, God loved David so much, he, he literally said... I'm going to come back and be a king that they needed, that they didn't know they needed, but I'm going to reinsert myself through my son Jesus. And I love this scripture uh, in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. And I want to read it to you because it's such a beautiful scripture talking about kingship. In, uh, in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, it says, For unto, it was talking about Jesus, this is the, the uh, prophet Isaiah. Uh, prophesying, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And it says, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Everybody say, no end. Upon the throne of David, not Saul, but upon the 
throne of David and upon the kingdom to order it and to establish it with a judgment, with justice from henceforth even forever, that the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. What he's saying here is I'm, I'm about to establish another kingdom, and it's not going to be an earthly kingdom. It is going to be a spiritual kingdom. And it's going to be established on my son, but built upon the throne of David. That's how much he loved David. That's how much David had, had come in and had a covenant with the Lord. And that's just another beautiful example of the, the concept of what is the image of God in the old, throughout Scripture. Um, you know, the second concept is, what is God like? And, you know, all through Scripture we see stories that depict the nature of who God really is. And who is that? He's a loving father who presents, who, who's quick to forgive, and he, we see that he is, his patience is, is long-suffering. And I love how we, we've got, sto- I got stories all over here that depict what the character and the nature of God looks like. Uh, the first, Jesus is the beautiful one. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen what? The Father. And I think we take this for granted sometimes because I, I, it's so simple. It's so simple you can miss it because we get there's so many things that are modeled to us that we inherently we 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 let them come into our our spirit or into our soul into our our minds and we gravitate towards that if we see it enough and we forget who Jesus really is. But he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And we see this with, with Jesus when he's teaching the disciples to pray. He, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And the first things out of his mouth is, okay, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. Why did he do that? He set the tone to make sure that the disciples understood that he wasn't just king. He wasn't just an authority lording over them. He was a father. And then Jesus began to model what the Father was doing and who the Father was through his actions. And I love that. We see the, the story of the prodigal. We've all talked about the prodigal. The son that left home, took his inheritance, went out and blew it, uh, made really bad decisions. In most Jewish cultures, uh, pr- probably they wouldn't have let him come back home. But that father was sitting on his porch every day watching and waiting for his son to come home because he loved him so much. And when he saw his son coming home, it says that he ran to him. And what did he do? He restored all of his inheritance. He put a robe on him. He put a ring on him, and he forgave everything that had happened. And he said, Dad, I need you to forgive me. He said, look, this son of mine that was lost is now found, and he is home, and that's the thing that is the most important. Jesus told this story because he wanted us to get a big picture of who he is, that when we miss it and we make mistakes, he is still there waiting for us to come back, running into his arms, and he'll, he'll hold us, he'll love us, he'll forgive us, and he'll restore anything that the enemy has stolen from us. Amen? So good. Then we see the woman accused of adultery. They're bringing her to Jesus. Hey, this woman's been, a, you know, she's been in adultery. We need to, the law says to stone her. And what did Jesus do? He, he, he looks at the woman. He begins to address her. And um, then he begins to write in the sand something we still don't know. I'd like to see what it was that he wrote in the sand. I have some ideas, but I can't say what they are in church. And uh, I'm just teasing. Come on, guys, lighten up, laugh. He had to say something. 
He had to say, he had to write something that was pretty profound because he really ticked them off. And then they all left, and she basically said, where are my, you know, he, she said, uh, where are my accusers? And he's, they're all gone. And he said, I don't accuse you either, and I don't, I don't judge you. Just go and sin no more. And, I, and, and he loved her. He loved her through that. Then we see Jonah. Jonah gets sent off to Nineveh, the prophet, to bring a word that says, hey, you guys are all falling away from the Lord. If you don't come back to us, uh, your whole city is going to be wiped out, taken over. And uh, God says to Jonah, but if they repent, then that's not going to happen. Well, Jonah got mad because he wanted to see fire come down. And uh, see, that's not the heart of God. God is long-suffering. He has a lot of patience with us. Even when we're, we're fighting the system or when we're, when we're just rebelling, he has a lot of patience. Then we see Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus, who's on the road to Damascus to go murder more Christians in the name of religion. And God could have just wiped him off the face of the earth because of all the Christians that he had martyred. But instead, what happened? Saul, uh, sorry. Yeah, Saul. Saul had a conversion. He had an encounter with God. And instead of killing Saul or bringing judgment on Saul, he loved him and he had long suffering with Saul. And Saul became Paul, who ended up writing most of our New Testament. Amazing. And then, of course, you had Jesus, who was the, uh, you know, just break the mold and throw it away, you know. Uh, Jesus walked in love. He, he embodied love. It's who he was. So what is God like? What is he like in the, in the, in the scriptures? And what is he being presented? He is love. God is love. The third concept is what does dominion like? Now, this is a big one because this is, these are all in, the, in this scripture, uh, first in Genesis one twenty six, when it says, take dominion. Dominion does not mean domination. There's a big difference here. Okay, we do not have permission to dominate another person. Uh, you know, that's a, big, that's a big reality check for a lot of people because I've known a lot of people that think their job is to dominate people. And we've got to understand that when, we're, when we've been grafted into him, our role is in the place of dominion is to love people unconditionally. So not domination. But as his sons and daughters, we're to bring order to chaos so that all mankind might experience the goodness of God and the love of God. I love what Kayla, Kayla's been in Middle East for like the last three weeks, four weeks. It's been three weeks? Yeah. Um, and she's with light, of the, light the Candle with Sean. And, I mean, perfect example, light the candle, be the light. What is she doing? She is going into other countries, and she is showing the goodness of God through love, through help, through graciousness, through the prophetic, through worship, through all these avenues. It's so, so important to do that. Romans, um, Romans 8.22 says, for the creation waits with eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. In some translations, it says that creation, what? Groans. Groans. And why are they groaning? Because they are in deep sorrow. They're filled with deep depression and anxiety. 
and they're waiting for the revealing of the sons and the daughters of God, and that's you and me. We're living in a time right now that we need to be revealing the kingdom. We need to be revealing who God really is. And, you know, how do we bring that chaos into order and allow the world to experience uh, the good? By owning our purpose. By owning our purpose. And it's so easy not to own our purpose. It's so easy just to, to deflect and, and say, well, somebody else will do it. But if you, if you have that mentality and you have that attitude, you're going to miss so many opportunities to shed the light of who God is in a hurting and a dying world. Craig talks a lot about, uh, when, when Craig gets up here, he talks a lot. There's an evangelist part of the side of Craig, and he talks about people coming to the church. Listen, if we would understand what our purpose was and we acted in that on a regular basis, we wouldn't be able to have enough seats in this place. Because people are hurting. People want truth. I got to test my son, Tristan. I think you remember Terry talking about this a couple weeks ago uh, about him getting a word from a gentleman in front of Target. And uh, just a word. I mean, this guy didn't know them from, from anybody and just called him out and began to give him a word and kind of remind him of who he is. Wow. Man. <coughs> Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> you got a Kleenex? I need some, No, I just need something to wipe this screen off. I just blew <laughs> chunks all over it. No, it's, it's, it's just Coke Zero. Maybe the Lord's trying to tell me to quit drinking Coke Zero, right? Amen. Amen. Got all that aspartame in there or whatever it is. Good night. That's a first. I've never spit all over my screen before. Oh, my gosh. That's pretty funny. Yeah, that's right. Can't be lukewarm. So, so long story long, Tristan comes home. I pick him up from the airport, not this week, but last week. And uh, we pull into this convenience store, and he has to go in to get something. And um, he's in there, and I'm sitting in the car. You know, I'm just kind of chilling, waiting for him to come out. And the next thing I know, he comes out with this older black gentleman trailing behind him. And I'm like, what is, is the guy sticking us up? Is he robbing us? What's he, what's he doing? And Tristan comes over to the window, and he knocks on it, like, roll the window down. I'm like, got my hand on my gun over here, like, I, I don't know if I'm going to have to do a shootout or what, you know? And uh, so I roll the window down, and he said, hey, Dad. He said, this guy needs prayer really bad. And he said, um, he was, in, he was inside, and he was wanting me to buy him a drink. And he said, well, I'm not going to buy you a drink, but what I will do is pray for you. And he says, I got a pastor out in the car. So he brings him to me. But we get to pray for this guy, and he had been out of prison just not too long, like for a year, and he was probably in his late 50s and just broken, just broken, and he's kind of telling us a little bit of his life, and his heart is breaking for, uh, for his kids, because his kids have been making really poor decisions while he was in prison for 15 years, 
And now he's gotten out, and he has learned so much about who the Lord is and who God is in his life, and he's given his life to the Lord. But they are not uh, listening to him because they are bitter and they're angry, which he understands that. But he just broke down just crying. So I got out of the car. We laid hands on him, and we began to pray for him. And, uh, you know, he just was like, thank you. Thank you so much. And he said, he said, where's your church? And I said, well, it's way up on the north side. And he said, man, if, I wait, if you were down here, I'd be in there this Sunday. And uh, th- this is another thing what I'm trying to, you know, point out. Um, you know, you see, Tristan was just a light bulb, and he was in, in the carton. And he had a choice. Tristan had a choice. He had a choice whether to stay in the carton, stay on the shelf, or to get pulled out of the carton and be used. And he chose to be used. And, you know, the reason he exists doesn't matter if he doesn't understand what his purpose is. The reason you exist doesn't matter if you don't understand what your purpose is. And this is something you've got to keep, it's something we all have to keep in front of us 24-7. And it's to demonstrate and show the goodness of God and how much he loves his creation and to have dominion over territories and atmospheres. And, you know, the only thing that can negate God's hand and purpose for your life is you, is me. We're the only thing that can stop it from happening. And, um, you know, as believers, it's our responsibility to keep ourselves attached to the source, okay, attached to the source of our strength, and we can only do that when we lead ourselves internally. And this is a big deal because our souls, which is what our mind, will, and emotions, our souls have been wired by the world and our experiences. But our spirits are directly wired to the kingdom, to him. Heaven doesn't know you by your soul. Heaven knows you by your spirit. You understand that? That's how they know you is by your spirit. But our soul, we have a responsibility to manage our mind, our will, and our emotions. This is a big deal because right now, a lot of people, including myself, I've done this, we don't want to manage our mind, will, and our emotions. We just want to let whatever comes in, comes in. And we don't take any responsibility for what's going in or what's, what's affecting us on the outside and being aware of what's affecting us on the outside. Listen, it is your job, my job, to internally lead myself. And I'm going to talk about that just for a minute. You know, um, the, the soil of our souls is what establishes a divine connection to the Holy Spirit and to the Father and the Son. And um, go ahead and throw that, that sign up, that slide. Soil stands for see, own, integrate, and lead. Okay? Get that again. The soil of your soul stands for see, own, integrate, and lead. In order to lead yourself well, this has to become a part of who we are, of who you are. And this is a big deal because there are so many things that can bring distractions into your life. And so the first one where we see see, if, if we aren't able to see that, 
then the healthy soul that is attached to the Father and has been restored uh, to full capacity for attachment to happen, there will be a detachment that ends up happening because it's not healthy. And because it's not healthy, what will end up happening is there will be an orphan mindset that will disconnect us from the truth. Which that we will revert back. Whenever you, whenever you have a healthy detachment in your soul to who God is and to the Spirit of the Lord that's on the inside of you, you immediately will feel rejection and you will feel abandonment. And when that happens, you won't even realize that you're doing it. And you'll start reacting instead of responding. <laughs> Uh-oh, that's exactly right. Uh-oh, because when that happens, uh-oh, it's not good. We have to be aware. That was so perfect. We have to be, we have to be aware when we become detached, and that is so hard. It's just it's so hard because our emotions are powerful. They're a powerful thing, and they lead us so many times instead of our spirit leading us. And we got to get a control of it. And we've got to understand the origin of it. We've got to understand why it's happening, what's going on. The next thing we've got to do, we've got to own what we see. You know, we have to be willing to get to the root of what's happening and not spiritually bypass what's going on on the inside of us. You know, when I'm talking about spiritually bypass, there's a lot of good things we can do, but there's what will end up happening when we don't want to confront something or we don't want to deal with it because it's too painful, we'll fill up that area, not with the truth and not with dealing what the real root problem is in our life. We'll fill it in with good things. They're still good things. You might go to conferences. You might go to worship conferences. uh, You might serve in the church on an unhealthy level where you're constantly doing stuff because you're trying to fill that void of feeling like you're not enough. Then you might get into a place where you're having, you got other vices, where you're throwing yourself on to, into unhealthy levels, where you're self-medicating, where you're doing alcohol, you're doing drugs, uh, you're eating too much. You're, I mean, it goes on and on and on because we want the pain and the problems to go away. Listen, pain, the pain and the problems don't go away by themselves. The pain and the problems go away when you will take ownership and you will face what's going on with partnering with the Holy Spirit and letting him make you aware of why you're reacting the way you're reacting. Because if you don't do that, you'll always stay in the carton and you'll never come out. And just because you exist, that doesn't matter. If you don't know why you exist and the purpose of why you exist you're not going to have the impact for the kingdom the way you need to. You know, don't deflect, don't avoid or run because it's too hard. Because growth comes with pain. The next one is I, integrate. And I love this. This definition for integrate is just, it's revealing. It's like this should be like, uh, just like, hey, we should all know this and we do know it, but then we deflect, and we don't believe it, I think. Integrate means to combine with another, to combine with another so that they become whole. That's what integrate means. 
to combine with another so they become whole. So what are we doing? We're supposed to combine our soul and partner it, our mind, will, and emotions under the authority of the Holy Spirit in our spirits, in His Spirit that resides on the inside of us. You get that? When we do that, when we combine those two, we integrate those two, then we become a whole person. Does that make sense? But until that happens and we stay separate and we're not, we're not integrating those two and we're not submitting, we're not submitting ourselves, our souls to the, the authority of the Spirit, then what ends up happening is we end up becoming unhealthy and detached. Romans 13.1, let me read this to you. I pulled it up on, come on. Romans 13.1 addresses this. It also addresses some other things, but it says, this, this is a natural side and a spiritual side. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resists the power, resists the ordinance of God, and they, resist, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Now that word damnation is not a great word. <laughs> but what, what the, 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 the thing they're trying to stress here is your soul has to submit itself to the power and the authority of God to the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of you. It is to submit to that power. If it's not submitting to that power, it is going to be susceptible to damnation, to problems, to issues. Okay, you guys get that? I, I don't know if this is really hitting home for you guys, but I, I just, this is something I, I've really personally been feeling in my own life. And I think we... We overlook stuff so easily, and we just we want to just deflect and just keep going and moving and moving forward. And, oh, if I just tough it out long enough, this thing will go away. No, it won't go away because wherever you go, there you are. I mean, seriously, wherever you go, there you are. You get your little fairy wand from Disneyland or Disney World and wave it all you want. The magic pixie dust is not going to take you out of the situation. We, you know, I'm, I'm making fun of that, but I think that's what, <laughs> I have friends that are counselors, and I, one of them I hunt with, thank you, Jesus, because I have constant source of counseling in front of me <laughs> as I'm hunting, so I'm killing two birds with one stump, or two deer with one stump, whatever, and he said, you would be shocked today, just in the last two years, of how many people come into my office they don't know the word. They don't know who they are in Christ. And they expect me just to pray over them, and it'll change everything. And he said, I have to sit there and tell them, hey, you got to do some work. You got to do some work. You gotta, you gotta, you've got to kick all this stuff out of your head that doesn't belong there and fill it back what needs to be in there. I mean, I'm serious. This, this is, it sounds so elementary, but guys, this is where we are in the world right now. People are just going through life dazed and confused. Seriously. 
living in another reality, another make-believe reality. The other night, uh, uh, we went out, Terry and I went out to eat with Jake and Laura. Man, what a great night. And Jake's over there blowing my mind about stuff that he's been researching, and Jake's a pretty smart dude. And uh, he's researching all this stuff, and he didn't know this stuff you know, five years ago or whatever, but he's been, he felt like the Lord's been telling him to research this stuff. And you don't know until you know. And so if you just continue to follow the system, the world system, you're, you're going to believe whatever they tell you. It is our job to replace lies with truth. So that next one is lead. Boy, this is the one that, man, <laughs> this is hard. You know, um, lead yourself well. <laughs> All this happens under the direction and the leading or the prompting of the Holy Spirit and having great self-awareness. And, you know, many of us aren't, aren't really getting the results in our life that we want to see, and we're not, our lives are not going the direction that we want them to go because we refuse to go through the process of pain in order to see the victory. We run the other way. Oh, that's going to be too hard. Oh, that hurts. I'm going to have to do some work on me in this area. I'm just going to, I'm just going to blow it off and I'm going to do something else. Uh, you know. But here's the deal. When you're not leading yourself well, you're never going to go to the next level. Put that other slide up. I think it's up there. Samuel Chan. Love Samuel Chan. You guys ought to read Samuel Chan. He's an he's a author and a, and a, a speaker around the world, not just in church leadership, but in corporations. I mean, amazing guy. And he said, the art of leadership is understanding what you can't compromise on. The art of leadership is understanding what you can't compromise on. You, and let me, I'll read the rest of it. You can't lead yourself if you're going to compromise all the time. You just can't. You're not going to have success. Reluctance to face pain is your greatest limitation. There is no growth without change. There's no change without loss. And there's no loss without pain. And he also says that you're only going to go to the level of leadership at the level of pain that you can tolerate. So if you can't tolerate a lot of pain, then don't expect to go to a higher level of leadership. It's just not going to happen. Because you've got to put in the work. You've got to do it if you're going to grow. And, um, you know, let, let me say this. I just want to be real with you guys. Let's see how much time I got. Um, you guys okay me being real with you? Like, y'all don't expect me to be perfect, right? Y'all like to hear about imperfect people trying to be better. So I'm just going to be real vulnerable. This last year has been hell for me. I don't know how else to say it. It's been a hell. Um, it's been hard for Terry, too. And it's the reason why it's been hell has because we've had so many transitions this last year, just with some leadership, with my kids moving off, all kinds of stuff. And it's not my kids' fault. I'm not mad at my kids. But I want to say this. I have found myself in this role where I have been running from pain. I have been running from dealing with the root problem. Do you know what the root problem is? is for me right now is, and I'm just being, I'm being tell you, I'm, I'm just being honest. I was an orphan for so long 
that when I came into the kingdom and I got saved, my biggest fight I always have to fight is feeling rejected and feeling abandoned. I didn't realize that's how I was dealing with it until the Lord, the Holy Spirit showed it to me. He said, you're, you're not, maybe you're blaming them, but you feel abandoned and you feel rejected. Therefore, you feel like I'm abandoning you, abandoning you and I'm rejecting you. And that's why you want to go hide in a hole or sit in a tree. Because then I don't have to deal with people and I don't have to deal with the issues that are at hand that are on the inside of me. In order for me to grow, I have to do the hard work. And I've got to put in the time to get healthier. And I have to have self-awareness in order to lead myself so that I can be the kind of leader that I need to be. So I just said that not because I need you to guys pat me on the back and tell me how awesome I am. I just want to be vulnerable and I want to be real that what, what, it doesn't matter what level of leadership you're on. You're still a leader. You're still leading something whether it's a company or a business or your family or yourself. So quit lying to yourself and do the hard work to get healthier because the world needs you to get healthier. Amen? Because I'm not talking about physical pain. I'm talking about emotional pain, which is tied to our soul. And I'm fixing to wrap this up, but Jesus demonstrated. Jesus came why did Jesus come in human form? Because he wanted to show us that as a human, with him living on the inside of us, the Holy Spirit living in, on the inside of us, that we can do this thing. He proved everybody that he could do this thing. And Jesus demonstrated such great internal leadership in the midst of his anguish. Jesus is at the garden. He's in excruciating emotional pain. Why? He's being betrayed. He's being abandoned, not only by his friends, but he feels like he's being abandoned by God. Oh, but he is God. Yeah. But he's also human. He was also a man. He was experiencing the same thing because of, of his soul, mind, will, and emotions. If he couldn't get victory over it, we can't get victory over it. Does that make sense? But he's demonstrating this. He is, he's in excruciating pain emotionally. He's fighting his feelings. He's fighting fear. He's fighting doubt so much that it physically affects his body. This is a condition in the medical field, and I'm going to blow this saying it. It's called hematohydrosis. That's where your sweat contains blood because of such anxiety that your capillaries burst, and it comes out in your sweat. That's how under stress he was. How many of you guys, I'm not, how many of you guys have ever sweated blood before? And I, I have it, but I felt like I was going to sweat blood a couple times. But he actually sweat blood. He even said, I am, he says, my soul is so overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, but not my will, but whose will? What did he just do? He just submitted his soul to the governing authority. He submitted it to him. Not my will, your will. And what ended up happening? God empowered him. God gave him the grace to be able to go through with what he had to go through with and to do it. And this all ties back into our purpose. If we don't learn how to internally lead ourselves, 
and understand our purpose. We will be like that light bulb that never gets taken off the shelf. Jesus knew his purpose. He knew his purpose, and he knew how to internally lead himself, just like we need to learn how to internally lead ourselves. Jesus had to learn to have a healthy connection with the Father and to lead his soul to a healthy place under the authority of heaven. Listen, your purpose is to be loved by God the Father and in return love yourself really well. You're not loving yourself really well if you're denying finding the root of the thing that's keeping you from being detached to who he is. That's not loving yourself well. We might think that is sometimes like, oh, well, I don't want to deal with the pain, so I'm going to love myself really well and just turn around and do something different. That's going to hold you back and set you back more than you know. So we've got, to learn to, we've got to learn to let him love us. We've got to learn to love ourselves. And in doing so, what will end up happening? We'll take that light out of the carton, and we will love ourselves really well. We'll demonstrate God's reason and purpose for mankind. And we will begin to see revival take place in our lives. And in taking place in our own life, in taking ownership and responsibility in our own life, that's going to turn into revival across a nation, across a country. So everybody stand up. I just want to encourage you today, man, if you're here today and this has triggered any thoughts, and I just want you to know he's always here for you. God is always here for you. And this is not the end. It's just the beginning in your life. So you could have missed it a thousand times. You might be older or you say, oh, I'm too old and I've missed it and my time has passed and it's gone. It's never passed and it's not gone. It's just beginning. It begins the day you say yes to taking ownership and leading yourself internally really well. Amen. For more resources and information about Resurgent ATL, please visit our website, 